0: Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Today we are starting in part two of what we started last week on the family. Um, And so let's go over to the book of Genesis chapter two and verse 18, Genesis chapter two and verse 18. We have covered so far, kind of laid some foundation work last week and talking about the very beginning, how God is the one who instituted the family. He's the one who designed this, and he loves us, and he wants us to experience um, all of his goodness and grace in our lives. And so he, along with designing the family, also instituted boundaries in, this, in our family. Uh, and these boundaries are not here to bind us. They're here to actually help us, to free us up, to live in, uh, out the potential that's there of what can be when we are living our lives according to his plan and purpose and so God created man and he put him in the garden. But one thing that God told Adam was that he should tend it and to guard it. And that right there tells us something powerful that not only just taking care of it and snipping limbs and all that kind of stuff, but there was something to guard. He had to guard this garden because there was a thief in the garden. And that enemy was, was going to do whatever he could to, to halt and to ultimately destroy the purpose of God And to destroy this garden and and to separate the family, bring division between man and woman and children and parents. Um, And we see that today, don't we? We see division in many families. And so we need more than ever to guard our gardens or to guard our houses. And, And dads, you're the number one responsible one for that. But you and your wife together really are to do that. And so God blessed man and woman. He blessed Adam and Eve and He said, Be fruitful and multiply, subdue the earth, fill it, and have dominion. So, in other words, He said, Act like me. I give you this place and you can act like me. I want you to govern this place. I've given you the right and the power to govern and control. What a gift from God, right? What a gift from God. But unfortunately, many, many people are not taking that responsibility upon themselves. They, they like to just say, Well, the Lord's in control. No, 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 no. You don't get that easy out. No, he put us in charge here. All right. Uh, And and so we have to take responsibility and do our part here in the earth to to govern and control and to bring agents of order and not chaos. And so I I had you ask a question, ask yourself a question last week. Are you an agent of order or are you an agent of chaos in your family? And if you have become an agent of chaos, um, if you're not careful, you'll start defending that. You'll start to justifying why you are that way. Well, you don't know what she did. She brought it first, so that's what I'm bringing too. Well, well how's that working out for you? Right? Let's, let's, let's be agents of order. Bring, bring, there's enough chaos in the world. I mean, the, the, the house, the family, your home should be a safe place. It should be a refuge. It should be a place of peace. It should be a place of joy and love and, 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 and restoring. So God has designed the family to be that very thing. So, I mean, think about it. As the family goes, so goes the city. As the city goes, so goes the nation. Right? As the nation goes, so goes the world. So I'm, I'm not near as concerned about... Who's in Washington, D.C. representing me or not representing me? That, that, to me, is way down the list. What I'm concerned about are the families and the homes of where I live. Because if we can get the family right, then everything else takes care of itself. If we can get that dynamic, working according to the plan and purpose of God, now we're talking. All right? So, verse 18 of Genesis 2. Let's jump into some, something else today. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper Comparable to him. Let's all say comparable. Comparable to him or one like him. This is the first time throughout God's whole creation process that he says these words, it's not good. He says it's good after everything he created. Day one, after he finished it, he said this: it is good. He saw after all that he created on day two, he said it is good. Everything, and then he created Adam, and something got God's attention about this. He saw Adam walking around, And he says, it's not good. Adam's missing something. And and imagine this, that God was with Adam. God walked with Adam every day. He would come in the cool of the day, the scripture says. Actually, it says the voice of the Lord would come walking with Adam in the garden. So every day, Adam had a, a specific meeting with God, and they would walk and talk. Imagine how awesome that was. They're talking. But God notices something. Even in doing this, he still sees there's loneliness in Adam that he, as God, cannot fulfill. And so he says, it's not good that Adam, Adam's alone. In other words, I need, he needs someone for him like he is for me. As a matter of fact, let's look at, at, at um, the literal text, the Hebrew text, I should say. This is how it reads, this passage of Scripture. It is not good that Adam's strength should be spread out this way. I will make someone to help him like he's helping me. So he makes Eve. God created woman for for man. Woman came from man. And Genesis chapter 2, let's read verse 19. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. Whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. How many of you know once you name it, you're probably not going to eat it? So, So Adam gave names to all cattle. To the birds of the air, to every beast of the field, but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. Twenty-one. So, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. It's important to note that we see that God did not put a replacement rib there where he took the other one. He took the one out, he closed the flesh up in its place. So that Adam now has part of him. Now what is the woman is came from man. He is in her in that way. And Adam said, look, listen to this. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, verse 22, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, as I told the earlier service, if I was Adam, I would have said, it is good. Yeah. Now this is good. <laughs> He did kind of say that. He said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my f- flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God took a rib from his side. Let's remember that. He took a fr- rib from his side. That rib is what, that which protects and covers the heart. All right. He didn't take a piece of bone from, from Adam's head so that she could lord over him. And he didn't take a bone from his foot so that he would lord over her. He took the bone from his side so that they could have equality and walk together. Side by side in this grace of life. Isn't that beautiful? See, this was God's plan from the very beginning. And the devil is a real enemy who has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he wants to do nothing but destroy your family. He hates God's plan. He hates this design. And so he is on attack. As you can see in this world, you can hear people representing him quite well with what they say about the family, about God's design and purpose, that it's an old way that we've moved past that, that we've progressed since then. Yeah, you bet. Verse 21. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 24. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Let's all say one flesh. Now, you married couples ought to get excited about that because there's only really only one way to become one flesh. Since we're in church, we'll stop right there. I need not expound. I just need an amen. (laughs) Amen. Marriage is to be enjoyed in the flesh. Don't make too much of it. We're not one spirit in marriage. We're one flesh in marriage. We're one spirit in Christ. We're one flesh in marriage. This has a lot to do with that being fruitful and multiplying. And, and so, so Earth then, planet Earth, is the only place where you and I are going to enjoy the union of marriage. Now, I know I know you don't like what I just said. No, Pastor Eric, I'm going to live in heaven with my spouse. Keep dreaming. No, you're not. I mean, that's sweet that you think that way. But you're only thinking in this, in, in this finite term, you're only thinking through the, the, the earthly kind of mind, earth, with earthly understanding. Right? The Scripture says that there's not going to be any need for marriage there. It's a whole different dynamic. Right? I know it, sometimes that can be frightening to think like that. You mean I'm not going to be married? And No. No, you'll know them. I mean, it's going to be a different deal. This is where you can understand what oneness in the Spirit is. Right. And I just have a feeling, I just have a f- sneaky suspicion that when we get our eyes full of Jesus, nothing else is going to matter. We're going to get lost in the gaze of love. Think about it. We're going to look love in the face. What is that experience going to be like? To see the person that love is, and it goes beyond just a feeling about this, a feeling of love or a choosing to love. Now we're looking at him. Wow. Wow. We just can't get our minds wrapped around that. And so that's why we say in marriage vows, till death do us part. You know, it's important to do that because, you know, I had a friend years ago who he was just determined that he and his wife were going to be married for eons and eternity. So they took till death do us part and said forever. And I was thinking about that. That's kind of not fair, buddy, because there's a good chance you're going to die before her. And then now what's she supposed to do? What's she supposed to do? Well, I said forever. So I guess here we go. No, you got. To, even Jesus talked about that, that death um, releases the husband from the wife and the wife from the husband um, to another thing. So the two shall become one flesh. There's something that happens in that oneness or in coming together in the union of marriage that God is so in because this is his plan. This is what he's doing. And maybe you found this to be true, being married for uh, or either a short time or a long time, that it's, it's almost like God starts pushing you together, right? Which is exciting and very irritating at the same time. And there are things that you're going to have to get over real quick. The number one word, I think one of the best words in a marriage that to describe a good marriage is the word compromise. I'm not talking about compromising your morals. I'm talking about compromising your way, your opinion, what you think about it. Huh? The quicker you learn that, the happier things go. And most of the time, it has to do with the man making the compromise than it does the woman. Let's just be honest here today. Can I get a witness all up in this church. All right. God pushes us. He pushes us together. There's, you know, it's amazing how many people, though. You know, Heather and I, we've counseled couples through the years. And I found it amazing how many people resist that oneness. That, I'm, and I'm thinking, well, why did you get married? To have a roommate that you can have sex with? Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of busted me there. no. Oh, there's a oneness in this partnership. It's, it's beyond just having a companion in the house to do your bidding. It is the two coming together as one. Amen. You know, it's, and, and it, it's a process of learning. There's an English teacher who was explaining to his students the concept of gender association in the English language itself, and he was talking about how um, that hurricanes at one time only had female names. and uh, But now that, that's expanded. But, and also, during the war, uh, airplanes and ships, they most of the time referred to those vessels as she. And um, y'all, know, y'all have seen the movies, right? They have the, 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 the girl painted on the plane. And uh, so one of the students raised her hand, and she said, well, what about computers? What gen- gender is a computer? And Teacher wasn't certain, so he divided the class into two groups to figure it out. And males in one group and females in another, and asked them to decide if a computer is either uh, should be masculine or should be feminine. So they were given, uh, each of them came up with four reasons why it should be masculine or should be feminine. So uh, the first group were the girls, and they concluded that computers should be referred to as masculine because, number one, in order to get their attention, you have to turn them on. Number two, number two, they have a lot of data but are still clueless. Number three, they are supposed to help you solve your problems, but half the time, they are the problem. And number four, is, as, as soon as you commit to one, you realize that if you had waited a little longer, you could have had a better model. <laughs> That's a pretty good case. Uh, the men on the other hand, uh, they, they decided that computers should definitely be, definitely be referred to as feminine because number one, no one but their creator understands their internal logic. <laughs> number two, the native language that they use to communicate with other computers is incomprehensible to everyone else. Number three, even your smallest mistakes are stored in long-term memory for later retrieval. (laughs) And number four, as soon as you make a commitment to one, you find yourself spending half your paycheck on accessories for it. (laughs) It's pretty good. The two shall become one flesh. Let me just give you some sound advice today. If you're smart, you'll stop resisting that oneness. The sooner you stop resisting it, the easier things get. Because God is unrelenting in his quest for oneness for you. He won't even be frustrated in this process, but you will be if you keep resisting it. God is persistent in you becoming one. Amen? It's how he designed it. And I love this about God, that he gives each of you wisdom. He gives the man wisdom, and he gives the woman wisdom. He doesn't give all to one, and then that one becomes the teacher for the rest of that poor spouse's life. Right? You know, Heather and I have walked through that process from time to time. Sometimes I'll call her mom when she's acting like mom. But then there are times that I've acted like her preacher, her pastor, in the middle of a conversation. And I'm like, honey, the Bible says... That's not, that's, that, that's not good. That's not, that's, I learned, I learned that's not, it's not time to preach. It, it's time to humble myself and actually listen to her. <laughs> the only one who knows everything is God, but he distributes to each of us wisdom. And we can learn from one another. We come together when we're one. How many of you have kids here? have kids. All right, how about small kids? Small small children, those of you who have small children. All right, I want to just give you guys a warning with the small children. Those of you who have been through it, you, you're veterans. You understand it. But as wonderful of, of a blessing that kids are and they are, those little blessings in your life, those little blessings in your house, there's an instinct in them. And that instinct is to divide and conquer. To work one against the other, and if you allow that to happen, see, we told we told our kids since they were little bitty, "Hey, welcome to the family. Just needs you to know how things work here. We were here long before you. You don't run the house; you obey, and that's when you're at your cutest, actually, when you simply obey." We were here before you. We're glad to have you. We're going to love you. We're going to raise you. But then we're going to throw you out of here someday. And then it's just going to be back to me and your mom. So we just need you to understand one thing. What we say is one voice. And you can't divide that. And you're going to come to appreciate that. You're going to come to love that. You're going to come to find safety in that. You're going to come to find blessing in that. So it's, this is going to be difficult at times, but just so you know, If you start fighting that, there's the door, Jack. Because I love you, but I don't love you like I love her. I know some of you don't like that. Some of you have a hard time hearing that kind of thing because your children are all so brilliant. But that's out of whack. That's out of whack. The Scripture says you are to train up a child in the way they should go. Not the way they want to go, because let me tell you the way your children want to go. They want to go wherever they go, however they get there. They want the destination to be with candy in their mouth. That's their goal. It's real simple. It really is. It's real simple. So you are to take it upon yourself to guide them and lead them where they should go. Amen? Amen. Moms and dads, can I talk to you today? Don't let your children run around public restaurants. All right, that's not cute. There ain't nothing brilliant about that. All right? Lead them. Guide them. huh? What the, pe- the general public will appreciate is that you actually take charge. And they sit and they eat like a normal person. All right? That's just one thing. I'm just trying to help you. Down. I'm not trying to hurt you. All right? You have responsibility. And so your children, as I said, and my, when, my, when our daughters became teenagers, they got extremely good at divide and conquer. At least trying to. <laughs> And if I sit and listen to them long enough, you know, when you have a daughter as a dad, and some of you, how many of you dads have, have girls, all right, so you, it's over for you. It's over for you because they say daddy a certain way, or they give that face. I can't describe the face. I can just see it, and it just kills me. And then when they say, then all of a sudden, I've been tempted to, and probably failed from time to time, to think that, yeah, Heather probably... Is making the wrong choice here. <laughs> See? You can't do that. you got to be strong. You've got you to be sold out to your oneness. Yeah. That when Heather speaks, so do I. When I speak, so does she. And we are. T- I will tell you that I, I haven't always done that that black and white, and it always came back to bite me. It never ended up good. Am I right? Yeah, I, knew, I knew you'd say all right. Okay, so your children are precious, they are gifts from the Lord, but there's a way to run your house. There's a way to live where there is peace. Amen. Your children, as I said, they'll appreciate you for it. Hallelujah. Because there's an enormous attack on the family today, and that is how God created it, how God designed it. We have to be vigilant in it. Um Sadly enough, the, the, the statistics on divorce are, are, just as, are just the same as what's in the world, in the, uh, in the church, as what's in the world today. It shouldn't be like that. But we've just bought into some philosophies and mindsets that have brought ruin um, and really hurt our families. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. I'll, I'll just a couple more minutes, all right? And then and I'll, I'll let you go. Next week we'll get into part three. But Matthew chapter 19, Jesus, uh, the Pharisees also came to him, that is Jesus, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And verse 4 says, And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? Now, now these guys, these Pharisees, are those who, they're guardians of the law, all right? So they are talking to him about. Uh, the, concerning the law, so Jesus answers them according to the law. Just so you know what this looks like, uh, verse five, and said, "For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh." Verse six. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Let not man separate. So now let me say this: Jesus is not defending. Um, uh, marriage, as uh, every marriage, I should say, as an ordinance of God, He's not defending every marriage. What Jesus is is defending is the institution of marriage. If it was individuals, He would have said, "Who God, whom God has joined together." But He says, "What God has joined together," which is the institution of marriage itself. All right, you catching this? So, um, what God has joined together? You see, there, there, there is an attack, there, and it has been a long time on the institution of marriage, even in Christ's day. This is no new thing. Now, that does not mean the institution of marriage, just because I said not every marriage was ordained of God, uh, this certain woman and this certain man come together in marriage. That doesn't give you an out today. I'm not here to give you some escape hatch out of your marriage. Please don't see it like that. We know that not every couple that got together, that was necessarily God's plan. But my family, let's remember, it's his institution. And once you got in the institution together, guess what? It's his will. So you you can just stop asking. yourself, Well, I should have married. I shouldn't have married this person. Too late. You already did. You said I'd do. The deal's done. Now go forward. All right? And God will help you. God will be with you. All right? Amen. Amen? Amen. All right. Come on. let's. Let's fight for this thing. we got to fight for this institution. we got to be strong. we got to be courageous in the face of all that's around us and fight for love. Amen. Fight for our family. Be strong. And don't back down. If, uh, and so if you're together, stay, stay together. Fight together. Fight to stay together. Amen. God has a precious plan for you. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. What a precious verse that is. To believe him and to keep his word, he says, We're going to come and live with you. Don't you know, as a believer, as a child of God, God lives in your house with you. He's with you, and I'm going to leave you with this thought. How many of you, I ask you this question, how many of you, on, before you came to church today, before you got in your car, that you popped the trunk of your car and you checked on your spare tire? Nobody here? Did you do it any last week? When was the last time you even opened that trunk? Do you even know you have a spare? Might check. Sometimes it's in the trunk, sometimes it's under the car. Out of sight, out of mind, until, until the flat happens. And man, now that spare is the most important thing to you. It's your lifeline. And what, what a deal it is to pull that spare out and find that that spare ain't got no air. It's the worst. You would think something that important in a moment like that, you would kind of watch over a little more, but we don't. We don't. I don't. God is not a spare in your house. He's not to be just kind of thrown aside and, Lord, we got this, but when trouble comes, we're going to need you to come out of that closet and need you to fix our little mess that we created here. No, he's not a spare. He is Lord. He's Lord of your life. He must become Lord of everything. He must be the center of your family so that the family dynamic all operates out of that centrality of Christ. But you know what? He's not going to do anything that you don't invite him to do. That's right. wow. He's not going to force his hand upon you. You want to stay where you are? Then you can stay right where you are. Right. You want to stay spiritually immature the rest of your life? Your Heavenly Father will let you do that. He will not promote you at all. You can stay right there. It's not until you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that now He can promote you. He can exalt you. Amen? And He wants to. He wants your family to increase. He wants your family to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. Amen? So today, wherever you are in your life, concerning your marriage, concerning your children, listen, maybe you haven't made all the best decisions and maybe there's been some chaos ensued, but your God is greater than that. His grace is greater than that, and He has Listen, let me just say this. His plan is still intact. He, has, he hasn't, you haven't thwarted his plans at all. And he can help you right now in, in, your, in your situation. He has help for you. He has strength for you. He has hope for you. He has life for you. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he can't see it. Because he knows ways you don't know and he sees things that you don't see. And if you'll just submit yourself and say, Lord, I've made a mess of things or, you know, this is this is where I am. I understand stuff happens. It might not have been anything on your part. Stuff just happened. All right? But God's here to help you. Amen. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? Father, I want to ask you now that you would do what you only you can do here in the matter of speaking to people's hearts and helping, Lord, Bringing bringing your wisdom, bringing your grace, bringing help. The Lord loves you so much today, and he loves your family. He is truly on your side. Today, maybe you just need to make some corrections in your thinking. Today, maybe you just need to say, Lord, I repent the way I've been. I repent of of not acknowledging you in in my life, in my family, in my marriage. Lord, I, I need your help. I'm asking you for your help today. Just let him minister to you. He loves you. He's not here to condemn you. All right? He loves you. He just wants you to say, welcome. Come come now. Give me that wisdom. Give me your help. And he will. All right? This is his deal. All right? Where, wherever you are, maybe you've gone through a terrible divorce, and I, I hate that for you. I hate that you've endured that kind of pain and heartache. It's awful, but there's hope for you. There's help for you. There's so much more to know, so much more to experience, all right? Just because you've been divorced doesn't mean you've been destroyed, all right? There's a new start, there's a new beginning. Father, thank you for right now being a very present help. And I pray, God, right now that your healing would flow into these marriages, into these families. Lord, there would be restoration where there has been a severed or a broken relationship. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord, right now that you are concerned and you are touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. When they hurt, you hurt. And I thank you, Lord, that not only do you feel what they feel, but you help them heal and you help them move forward. And I thank you, Lord. I, just, I declare the peace of God over every household here and now. I want you to just receive this right now. Receive the peace of God into your life. I declare it over you in Jesus' name. I declare it over you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. All of your children shall be taught of the Lord and great shall be their peace. In the name of Jesus, no evil shall befall you and no plague shall come near your dwelling. He gives his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. Amen. You two, husband and wife, shall cleave to one another. Cleave to one another and become one flesh. Thank you, Lord. And you will be courageous and you'll stand strong And you'll lead your family. You'll lead your children in the ways of the Lord. And you will live in the glorious fruit of that. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.